The Abstract Athlete Podcast, where art and sports collide. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Love and appreciate the support we receive from all of our listeners and sponsors. Questions or comments, remember to please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. We have two other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network. Give them a listening. The Abstract Doctors Podcast and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and follow us on all of our social media outlets for updates and news. Pretty stoked about the podcast today as they get to speak with internationally recognized and award-winning photographer, creative, and former athlete, Jesse Reiser. Go follow Jesse on Instagram and Twitter at Jesse Reiser. That's J-E-S-S-E-R-I-E-S-E-R. And make sure to stop by his website, jessereiser.com. Let's welcome Jesse Reiser. What hey, is up? <laughs> oh, you know, just trying to figure out cameras. <laughs> that seems Should like that like... might be up your ballpark or you know, whatever. <laughs> I, yeah, dude. I was trying to uh, do this in a better lit setting, but uh, the laptop, whatever. I was trying to like use an iPhone camera to tap into the laptop. It's like this nice gallery we have in here, but whatever. It's cool. It's chill. How are you? I'm awesome, man. Um, busy as hell, but I just finished school. So um, I'm actually getting ready to, I'll be heading out that way. I think I'm leaving here either next Saturday or next Sunday. Um, and I'll go up to Montana first through Colorado, and then I'll head down to Phoenix because I got to get that that work back. Um, oh, so nice. I'll let you know. I'll let you know when I'm down there. And, yeah, for sure. And shit. Let's kick it. So, um, I'll have my dog with me because she travels everywhere. She's the most hey. traveled dog ever. So it's a great. It's a great thing. But I'm recording, by the way. I always start right in, and shit, and and, and whatever. So no, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. But dude, no. I mean, this is I. This is fun. I think the night that we met, it was just like. First of all, I just felt like one of those such an easy conversation um and just had a blast talking with you and um first of all i just i i love your photographs and i want to want to totally talk about all those things but also just like you have i mean you have a relationship to sports um like you played sports growing up but now you like some of your work is sports related which i think has to be like really cool for you to like to be in these spaces but also like just kind of doing research about you. And I met your dad, right? I met your dad. Did I meet one of your siblings as well? Yeah. Yeah. I think brother, both of my brothers yeah. and my father were, were at the show with you. Yeah. Um, but it just, I read that uh, both of your parents are creative. I think you told me, or maybe he told me he was a painter, but your, your mom is also a painter. Um, mm-hmm. And like, so for me, sometimes it's interesting to hear like those backstories of how you got in to photography and stuff. And, 
and and still like if you have this relationship between you know like you know what we're doing with the abstract athlete but if you have like any any of those like thoughts of like how your sports background played into your creative endeavors and and all that shit like but um just i don't know it's just it's cool to like i loved reading about your kind of the way that you think about like you know you ph- photographing the mundane and there was this one i think it's like you did it last year the uh the christmas um project yeah so- <laughs> I, I, it's so funny to me because i've actually thought about that shit before so go ahead go oh, in and get into it <laughs> oh no no so um well, i'll just kind of start like so so my parents were both you know my dad uh in drawing and painting and my mom is a as a painter and then she was an educator um you know, my dad had to uh, forego his MFA dreams uh, when my mom got pregnant with me. <laughs> so he got into, you know, business yeah. to make that work. And then my mom stayed on and, and they still draw and paint to this day. So, you know, growing up, it was sort of always these, um, you know, kind of growing up in a household that was driven with like creativity and, and art, but also with sports. So it was always sort of these these two sort of pillars and a foundation. And I think what was interesting too growing up was like, I think there's always this sort of assumption that it's one of the other, like there, there, there always was kind of like a, a misnomer about like being sort of, uh, you know, really just kind of rooted in the arts and then sport. And it's almost like, did you really belong in one camp or the other? They sort of crossed each other out. You know what I mean? Like kind of always felt as an outlier, like the art jock or whatever. Um, and then, you know, for me, like the way I, I, I got into photo, there was a, uh, a converted boys restroom at my high school. And it was sort of uh, in memory of a photojournalist who had passed. And so they made a fundraiser and they, they turned the boys bathroom into a dark room. So, so I was also, my background was in traditional mediums. <clears throat> I think I was 17, 16 or 17 and a life drawing class got canceled. And I was like, Oh, well, there's a photo class open. And my dad had taken photographs and his dad had. And so I was just like a lot of people that, you know, started in analog. It's like that first experience in the dark room oh. is sort of this like creative, but sort of like, there's like math behind it, but also there was like a mysticism, like mysticism, like it was sort of magical and seeing things just sort of like materialize in the dark room. I mean, it was super intoxicating, right? Oh, I did. I, I actually bought an enlarger at one point in time because I love that experience. I loved it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I was very fortunate in high school to experience this and, and which was unique, you know, growing up in Southern Missouri at a public high school, we were the only school and, and we were a very middle-class school. We, you know, we had a large swath of the haves and have nots, but we were the only school that actually had that resource. And from having that resource, you know, there's five or six working photographers today from Springfield, Missouri, from Parkview High School, just because of that one opportunity. You know what I'm saying? So at the time I was like, wow, that's really cool. But also I think there was this really immediacy to 
the practice that was so, I mean, I loved like drawing and life drawing and there was a musicality to it, and the quickness of it, but a lot of other things I felt, I don't know if slow is the word, but like photography just seemed fast and like you could exercise ideas and you could play and it was very fun. So fast forward a year trying to figure out like college and things. And at that point I'd felt, I probably wasn't gonna continue playing football. I'd had a few offers, but they were like in state of Missouri, small schools. And I always wanted like a college experience. Um, so, you know, my dad was like, you know, people make a living doing photography. And I was like, well, that seems very abstract because also too, like wanting to pursue the arts at 17 or 18, super fucking abstract. <laughs> exactly. Because before that I was like, you know, oh, do I want to do pre-med or like, am I looking at architectural schools? And the more like you look into what that meant and the education and the job outlooks, it's just like, eh, I don't know. This doesn't sound super sexy as I thought. <laughs> um, so yeah, dude, I passed up some like scholarships for football and a couple for golf in Missouri and came out West, came out to Arizona State. Um, and, you know, there was a place that was very sort of traditional, um, fine art driven, very con conceptual, not like other programs that sort of teach you about the profession. And so when you get out, you're like, well, I don't, you either get your MFA or maybe you become a barista or something, you know, like I didn't know what to do. And, and I had an opportunity where I, I, I did an exchange program or a broad program and went to London and had a few classes and the, and the teachers were working photographers in fashion. So I started assisting them. And that was the first time really seeing that sort of like, okay, we get a brief from a client. Now, how do we make this work? We collaborate. And that also was equally as intoxicating as that first time in the dark room, right? Like, here's this idea. How do we make it better? what do we do in this problem solving exercise to come together to like take this sketch and bring it to life. So that really kind of gave me guidance when I came back and finished school about what I wanted to do, because at, at, at that point, I think the profession in photography was largely super like abstract and ambiguous, you know, and, and growing up at a certain time, and you probably remember this is that we had been so conditioned. It's like play on a certain club team, make the varsity team, take these classes, you get this. And it was always like, and again, you're sort of conditioned to like each rung of the ladder took you to another step. But when the ladder ended after school, it was just like, okay, now it's just a void. And, and where do you go from here? Yep. Um, and, and through that journey, I ended up in, in Los Angeles for a while and, and going to New York in the summers because I was teaching, uh, I was teaching a bit. Um, the, the Christmas project was actually something I've worked on for a decade. Um, and that first started when my folks relocated out West and it was my first holiday away from home. And I'm kind of like, you know, it's like seeing things with a new eyes or a new lens. And, and it was also too, I think like the idea of Christmas in like a desert climate, a warm climate seems sort of contradictory. <laughs> it does. So the first, yeah. So first year, like not going back to Missouri, I'm just looking around. And I was like, this is really strange. Like there's something here. And then the next year I started and it just like, it started in Arizona and then now it's, you know, it's been like 17, 18 States in every region. And now I'm, I'm done with the project and we're at the stage of um, finalizing which publisher we want to work with to uh, complete the book. Um, but I, I would say that was like one of the first, it was one of the first projects on the art side of my practice where I was like, okay, 
I've tried these different ideas, but this idea felt, I don't know if it, it felt new in a sense because like you looked at the landscape and I was like, well, no one's really done this at this breadth. And it was so obvious. And you're just like, how is this, this hasn't been done. And then it's sort of like, you get really excited about it. You know, you're like, you're, oh, I'm onto something. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that now. And, you know, the, the reason, I mean, even for me personally with art and sport or, or, or sport and photography is photography and sport have been sort of intertwined, but in a real like journalistic sense and always trying to find ways to bring um, sort of art and concept to sport that wasn't just the normal like sports illustrated work the the, the non sort of traditional photojournalist or like documentarian work um, and I think like in the last handful of years you've really seen sort of this marriage between art and sport and I, I think a lot of that comes from too like you know with advertising agencies like White and Kennedy starting with the Jordan brand in the late 80s, early 90s, and really sort of cultivating concept creativity, but personality, you know, that Jordan was sort of the beginning of that personal brand. Oh, and I was totally. a huge fan, you know, I was a huge fan growing up. So I feel like that was, you know, and then into Tiger Woods, and then LeBron a little bit later. But, you know, I feel like that was really influential to me of seeing, okay, like, there's, there's a way to take this in a place that's, that can be very artful, uh, very creative. And, and I'm wondering, like, because you, like, that's what I think is really cool about you. And I don't know if this is, is most, I mean, I know multiple photographers and I guess that they do different things. Like you do a lot of like work. Um, for instance, you did like a photo shoot with Ben Simmons for smart water. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you've, you've worked with, you've you've had work in the new york times i mean it's like it's i can't name every place where your photographs sure, yeah, have been because yeah. it's it's in it's amazing um oh thanks man but it's you know and then i look at like the 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 work that you had in in the at mountain shadows when we we you know had that show and that and it's also a sports thing but it was like more about spring training and mm -hmm. and loved just the way there's something I read about like how you photograph and, and I can't remember. I'm like, I'll have to like scroll back through, but it just no, like of how you like capture the human condition. I think that's, you said something like that. You've been interested in the human condition. And I just, I love the way, like I, I particularly think about the photograph you had, had of the catcher um, standing there. And it's just like that kind of solitary feeling of being, being an athlete even on, even though you're on a team, there's still like that vulnerability, like that's what I think you captured and, 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 like, on, and honesty. And I think people yep. forget too, that like, these are young men, yep. you know, and very young men, like thrust into very like public visible situations. And, you know, that story about the catcher, it was, it was during the lockout and it was, it was um, a story for the New York times about sort of the. I mean, you know, like being a minor league, minor league player, like it's, it's hard work for not a lot of money and it's a lot of sacrifice. Unless you're Michael and, Jordan, speaking of Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and so, you know, for me, like talking to him and, and, and just 
knowing what his, you know, there's an inherent delusion that's paired with focus and fire that you have to have to like keep on that dream. You know, like you're very reluctant to one day just be like, you know what, man, the bus is the bus left. Yep. It's time to hang them up. And I think that like, I think there's a lot of parallels with being, you know, an artist and an athlete that like, it's a, it's a journey. It's not a straight line. And, and, and it's this like never ending sort of chase for perfection. You know, I always say it's like a blue, it's like a blue song. It's like a call and response. You're always responding to stuff and in both. And things are always changing, you know, and things are always changing and evolving. And that the the goalpost keeps moving. And I think I told you this when we met um, during COVID, I got really back into golf, like, and, and the last year, like I, I, I work with my coach once or twice a week and, you know, I'm, I'm, and it's trying to find that balance, but for me, mentally, it's been very healthy, but it's also just like getting connected with the game. And I, I played competitively when I was younger, but there's just so many things and parallels that you can take from each, you know, of my photography and art practice to golf. And, and it's like, you know, the focus, the mental, the sort of living in the moment, dealing with setbacks, compartmentalizing emotions, you know, and, and not to be like a robot, but not to let it sort of. I think poison the well, right? Like it's, Absol- it's just absolutely. Like, I, it's, it, I, I mean, golf's a, such a great sport to talk about that relationship because you can't let stuff bother you because you have to hit another shot in like five seconds, you know? I mean, because yeah. if you do hold like, and it's hard to do, like it's, it's the same as baseball. It's like, you can't take, if you made an error in the field, you can't take that, to the when you go to bat the next day or or like a reliever you can't take that last outing if it was bad to the next game and it's it's i i it's it i actually it's i i talked to um i think i told you this i i teach an art and athletics class and i i have golfers in my class a lot and i talk to them a lot about you know like sitting down and just drawing or, or doing something creative just to take your mind out of it. Like while you're walking to your next shot, what if you're like sketching the hole? Cause you know, it's, it, just what you're seeing, because you know, they always say the best way to focus is, is like, if you're taking a test is to rewrite your notes down because you're absorbing that. It's like, well, what if you start drawing the hole you're playing? Like, do you absorb that better than if you're just looking at it? And I, it's like, I, I think that's interesting because you know, sports psychology to me is really fascinating and uh, and sports psychology exists in every discipline or, or or game but i think in golf what's interesting about it is that it's such a it's such a mechanical movement but your mind can be so in control or out of control and you know one thing in golf is is that and it's like basketball for instance like shooting a free throw like there's such this like this art of visualization yep and positivity and like and in golf you have time to overthink just like your own like which is like the death practice. of us <laughs> totally and and i think too like sort of you know the art of visualization and seeing things that haven't happened yet is is so like parallel to what i do photographically i think it's it's really amazing um and and just you know 
and as I'm getting older too, like my body or my health, it's like a piece of equipment, you know, it's, it's like all of these things that you kind of have to be mindful of and sort of this maintenance of your equipment or your paintbrushes, your, 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 you know, physical health, which I think is interesting. Now I, dude, I, you're I, like, again, when we talked out in Phoenix, I think we immediately knew is like, this conversation was going to be killer because <laughs> it's like, you're, you're, you say these things that I, I think about all the time and I get to work with, with, you know, student athletes and, and, you know, professional athletes that we've worked with, with the abstract athlete. And it's, it is like, it's, it is like a completely fascinating thing to me to think about how things overlap. And I wish, and I don't know if, if you're the same, like, even though like you were talking at the beginning about like this disconnection, you know, like, I, you know, I, I would, I've said this many times on the podcast, but you know, like I was an athlete growing up much like you and, 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 but I was also an artist, but it was like, I was always, I always felt weird about, being an artist like because it was not almost didn't belong like i said it's almost like you didn't you didn't belong in either camp when people knew about like the other like the yin to your yang you know what i'm saying like your other personality but i do i do absolutely but i do wish that i would have i mean it's a different time i think probably kids now it's not as polar opposites i mean at least it feels that Uh, way in society but i wish that i had this knowledge back then, man, because I just wish that I was able to like sit down and do my art and accept it and allow my vulnerability to come out. And, and, and I just, I think, because I, I know that I got in my own way baseball was, I know it, you know, I just, I, I, I went to the plate and I was thinking, and it's like, that's it. Like you're screwed. It's like golf. Like if you go to like hit a golf ball, and you start thinking like about stuff. It's like you're just like you just want to like you know how to swing a golf club. You just want to go up there and and clear the mind and just go. And that's the right. same with baseball. And it's and I just I know I started I I just I killed myself with it. And yeah, I think that's I think that's interesting and something you said too. It's like maybe this is where there's a divergence, and you know it's openness to vulnerability right sport is not that no sport is is putting on an emotional numbness or armor never showing weakness seeking out weakness you know like you know in one one hand in a, in a creative sort of artful practice you know vulnerability can be such a tool um and and then the other in sport it's like That's, that's a tough one. Well, and, and I think and it's I, interesting, like not to interrupt, but I'll just no, like, fine. you know, working with Ben Simmons, for instance, and what he's going through, uh, you know, in terms of his, like, you know, like he's admitted he has mental health issues and, and he's dealing with stuff. And now he's like, has a back issue, but like people are destroying him. And it's like, I don't know what to, what to, you know, I don't know the guy, like, but just at, at, outside looking in, like it's hard to kind of watch and, and it's hard to like, because and it's been going on for a full year. Yeah, exactly. A year is a long time. Yep. You know, they got bounced. I think the second round of the playoffs, yep. or maybe the Eastern conference finals, I think it was the finals because I think it was um, Milwaukee and, and the Sixers. Yep. And, 
you know, and I think some of like his criticism comes from like people trying to help and his reluctance to it. Yep. And, but still, and that's my point, man, like working with these guys, like people forget, man, these guys are fucking kids, dude. Yep. And, and yeah, they have a great life. You know, they've, they're afforded a lot of freedoms and financial freedoms and, and they're just given things all the time. That's the problem. But, but they still feel too. Yep. And, and I think what's tough, like seeing some of these, these younger guys is that I'm all for these young athletes to have like freedom and autonomy, you know, but now we're seeing like what's happening in the transfer portal. Like that's going to just wreck like college programs. I mean, Arizona state had a really promising, you know, a couple of seasons coming up yep. and then there was a recruitment scandal. They've had 28 players enter the portal this, this off season. Yeah, I was actually I guess, listening. I, I was listening to sports radio when I was out there the first time I was out there, and I I think that was when a lot of it was still like coming out, and it's it's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal. But I guess like I guess my point is is that you know I'm all for these guys to have more control, but I also think too that sometimes what happens is there's a level of sort of fame. I think they don't hear no enough. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes they surround themselves with people that it's easy for them, but they don't give them the hard information of what they need to hear. And and I think maybe he was a bit of a, a victim of too many yes men, yep. not enough. I mean, the guy's a physical freak, super nice. And now he's feeling the blunt of the world. That's just like, I think unfairly pouring on him, but there's also some responsibility on himself for, but like, again, it's this weird thing. It's like in your youth, you're blessed with this indestructible physical body, but not like the mental or emotional maturity to handle certain things. And like, and I think that's, like <laughs> I think that's a product of having the yes man around you. Like if you don't yeah, yeah. hear no, where you have, you know, like you have to fight for something it, it, and then when, you know, you're a young, young man or a young woman, and you've always had, had this yes, yes, yes. And then like all of a sudden you're 22 or whatever, and you have to fight for it. You're not used to that. And it's, it, there, it is like the no. whole, the whole, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess it's always been like that. Um, like physical, physical freaks do have, have the world kind of at their feet. Um, right. and, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's weird. Like I, I agree. Like, um, I guess in, in the long run, I'm glad that now people do talk about, I think athletes in particular are more vulnerable and, and talk about their mental health issues, which I think for sure opens up a better dialogue that I think allows other people to, to be that way. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, I don't know. Like it's a weird, I mean, dude, just, just think about like the mental health thing. Like, I mean, my parents and like my grandparents, like if, if you even like went out to see a therapist, you were deemed insane just for getting help. Yep. Like just even that it's a conversation like, and, and in the open. And I, I talked with this, my buddies and I was like, man, it's so crazy. Like I was a good student, but like, man, why were we not learning about like emotional and mental health from a young age? Like we're going to PE, but where is it for like our minds and our hearts or like, <laughs> or financial health, you know, like all this stuff. It's like, I mean, 
I think we're starting yeah, but- to do again. Like I, I, it's funny you say that because I, I, I've had this class that I teach. I, you know, even though it's called art and athletics and we talk about exercising the body, exercising the mind, it's still like a life class. And I always talk about the, cool. fa- the fact that it's, yes, this is a class, but I'm talking about the rest of your life. Like, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I, yes, I want you to work in the class because, you know, we, we have to and stuff, but like one of these days, you know, if it's a student athlete, you're not going to be playing sports anymore. And you're, you're how you're, you, you probably were defined this way too. Like you were, you were an athlete growing up. That's all you were. That's mm-hmm. how, that's who I was. And it's like, when I quit playing sports, it's like, who the hell am I? You know, mm-hmm. even though I was an artist, like I never considered that like a life path. And maybe because people didn't tell me this or they didn't think that's what, it, you know, whatever it was. But it's like these students, you know, and again, like, what do they say? 99% of students are going to go professional in something other than sports. It's probably more like 99.5 or whatever. And, and then think about like that, that tier below that the, the people that excelled in high school athletics, the amount of people that like had the ability to go to division one, like not many, yep. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just this, like, what, like just waterfalls of like that number keeps getting smaller and smaller, but everybody has that same dream. And it's like, Again, it's wonderful, it's beautiful, but like there has to be some sort of honesty and like yep. practicality in that, that pursuit. But you can't tell like 17, 18 year old kids, <laughs> like, I mean, you know. Hell no. <laughs> Not a chance. Quick break. Follow Jesse on Instagram and Twitter at Jesse Riser. That's J E S S E R I E S E R. And make sure to stop by his incredible website, jessereiser.com. Also, listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich Podcast. Now, back to Jesse. What, I, like, I'm curious, like, do you have, I mean, because you do multiple kinds of work, like you get, you know, like photojournalistic work, you do your, like mm-hmm. your own projects. And I, I'm assuming you have joy in, in all those things, but is there like something that you like doing more like than others? Or is that like a weird question? I mean, you know, I think for me, like, I'm a very curious person and like, I think even to like some of my fault is that I do a lot of, I, I might sometimes be doing too many things, <laughs> you know, rather than just being known as the person that does this one thing really well, I, I do like five or six things pretty good, I guess. <laughs> I think so. People think so. Um, I, I would say like at this point, the hardcore, like long form journalism stuff, I'm, I'm starting to sort of slow down on and um it's I, I think for me just sort of listening to like what's inspiring me and what's not and and in the last couple of years it's 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 less motivating right. you know um and that's okay <laughs> um and and wanting to maybe move more in sort of a conceptual space um and that's kind of like where i'm at with things now like but but then again like you know, if I get an assignment or, or find something that to me is just completely fascinating and I couldn't believe that I didn't know what it was or whatever, um, 
to go in and, and spend time with those people or that place and, and photograph it and sort of transmit those feelings and that wonder and that awe and, and, and enjoyment or sense of humor, that's still super fun. You know, like, um, like here's an example uh, before COVID, um, a contact from a London office who does like travel magazines for like in-flight you know, they do like United Airlines stuff. And anyway, so for this German airline, they asked me to go to this retirement community in Southern Arizona. Um, and it's all made up of people who have a, have this uh, love for the, for uh, the stars. And they all have, um, you know, the, they all share the love of astronomy. So they have these like the domes like built into their home, like to their That's homes awesome. and, and like high powered. And, and it's, you know, this couple from Canada wanted to create this retirement community for like-minded individuals. So they, they looked on basically a light pollution map and they found this little bit of land that was accessible by highway between like right at the Mexico, New Mexico, Arizona border they bought up this land and they, they kind of carved out these lots. And I think there's like 28 couples that live there now. And it's just, it's, and they call themselves the star geezers. Like <laughs> it's so wild. And because the setting is wild too, because it's the landscape's really rugged because it's, it's on the um, East side of the Chiricahua national monument. And it's just like, an, I mean, and you're, I'm like, how have I never heard of this? Like, I want, I want everyone to know about this and, and feel what I feel spending time with these people. So things like that, I think, are still... Like it's assignment-driven, but it still has, like, roots but it's, and but coolness. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but, it, but it's definitely, like, sort of strikes those notes with me. But, like, doing the work that I have been doing from time to time where it's, like, more news-driven or, like, politics or like I, I it's not as interesting to me yeah. and um you know and I you know at 41 like I don't have the same drive in certain areas as I did when I was 24 like and I think you just like being honest with yourself is fine yep. you know and I think that'll show in your work like if you don't listen to those the sort of like whispers in your head like hey man maybe it's time to <laughs> time to you know time out <laughs> you know uh, not saying that I, I can't and, and won't make good work. It's just, it doesn't fire me up as much as it used to. Really you know? at the end of the day, you just want to be a professional golfer. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Man, it's a little distracting. I was going to say this too. Like this is really wild. So for a while I was always looking for something. So like, so when your childhood passion or whenever you got into something or your hobby becomes like your full-time thing, it's really good to be mindful of like finding or keeping other interests to, to like go back to, because what I, before COVID I was finding myself, like I was getting kind of burned out. Like I'm, I was working, you know, 11 hours, yeah. six, seven days a week just to stay in front of stuff or with assignments and commission projects or my own practice. And you just find yourself working inefficiently, you know, you're just putting in hours and you just, you, you don't even realize how drained you feel with like getting, and then I was like, well, okay, I'll dabble in music, but it was almost like it was too close nope. but with golf or like, you know, sport, or maybe you get into pickleball or tennis or whatever. It's like, as much as we're talking, there's overlaps. It still feels like a world 
that's very removed from my work. And then, and then to like come back to that, I feel like they sort of play off each other in a way that then I can come back refreshed and more focused and more efficient and just better. Because otherwise, you know, you can just, I, I mean, I'm just obsessive about things. And if I don't have other things to attract some of that like attention and that focus, I can just fucking work every hour of the day and like but then you're miserable and you don't even know it's like a slow you devolve <laughs> exactly. slowly yeah you, you don't realize but everybody else knows you're just a miserable fuck you know like. <laughs> no but it's it's interesting you say that too because it you know like obviously photography is your job and you know like yeah. and like i like painting is my job and for the most part, I, I love it because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky I get to do that, but I know what you mean. Like there's, there's a certain thing, like you have to, I don't want to say you have to reinvent yourself or whatever, but it's like, I tell again, like going back to these, these student athletes, for instance, it's like you, when you get to college playing a sport, even in high school, you know, like it becomes a job and you have to stay mindful of the fact that you still have to have joy in that now. Yes. And you have to figure that out yourself, but it's like, also it's just, you know, like, okay. Like if you're a track athlete, you know, you're going to be running every day. Well, maybe you need to go for a walk and that's another way as a physical activity that is, you know, it's, it's just, it's removed from running. It allows you to just go out and breathe, but yet you're physically exercising. Also, you're like paying attention, like take your phone with you. You can take pictures, like it, learn to figure out different ways to do, you know, air quotes, the same thing, but still have that joy. Because sometimes, sometimes like when, you, when you're in that job space, that, that joy that you have is removed and that sucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. I think also too, when you start to like work at a certain level, there's there's just a, there's an expectation that I think you put on yourself yep. and that regimen and and the joy can get sucked out of it if, if you're not careful. And, and finding for me, it was finding ways or finding, I don't know if distractions are the right word, but, but ways to like come back sort of refreshed and and just better because you know i think for me it was really easy to become one-dimensional and just very just i mean you get that you know like you're just so focused and it's just you know i i, I treat this like like i did when i was playing like it's yep. i hate to make it competitive but I, it, it's competitive it's totally me. competitive i absolutely and i think that's in some ways it's a benefit for people that played sports as artists, because you, you sound like you're very much like me that you're, you know, maybe to a fault, like, uh, you know, in the studio every day, like, yeah. like you would be working out every day, like physically. And it's in, yeah, yeah. and, and there is like, I have to force myself sometimes to step away. You know, I'm getting ready to get in my car and drive for basically three weeks. And that is a decompression thing for me. Like, and it's actually health, ha healthy as shit. And, and I love it. And, um, it forces me not to work out physically every day. And now mentally I am because I'm taking thousands of pictures while I'm driving around. And, and I know that that seeps into my paintings, 
but it's just a different experience. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I think with COVID, I mean, things, there's been definite like positives and negatives for me, like the takeaway. I mean, it's work is starting to come back and, um, but things definitely changed for me during that, like from a professional standpoint, not for the better. Um, but I will say, I think like a lot of people too, it helped me sort of like recalibrate, like, okay, like I have this time afforded to me now, like how can I be better or more efficient? And I think ultimately just more balanced. Um, and, and just, you know, we're always seeking just to be happy. At the end of the day, that's all we were trying to chase is just happiness and, and just feeling fulfilled. Um, so I, I think that was like, you know, I experienced something like a lot of people, sort of a little bit of a recalibration and, and just a, just this intermission that, that, you know, figuring out what's important I'm, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not glad it happened because it was a tragic thing for so many people, but, but trying to find positives from it is that I do think it, it's sort of retooled a lot of people in the way that they think about their relationship with the profession, their work, what it means to be happy, their quality of life. You know, you saw that in the beginning, so many people just hitting the road and, and rediscovering the national parks and being outside and, and even probably tapping in, you know, checking in with their mental health, you know, all those things that I think were really important. Yep. Yeah. Now I, yeah, I, I know about the national parks cause I always go there cause it's part of my, you know, part of my journey and my God, like, I guess it was two years ago. Last year was still crowded, but two years ago, it was just insane. I mean, like I actually, for the first time ever, I guess it was last year, the first time ever I went up to Glacier and, um, I haven't done that. How is that? Well, I wish I could tell you the main part I couldn't get into because you had to buy a ticket. Now I could, mm-hmm. I, I have a national park pass. pass so I, yeah, I yeah. was able to get to the like outer area, but this area called something of the sun, I can't remember. I couldn't go on that road because like you had to buy a ticket and I'm like, because it's so crowded and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. And so it was kind of disappointed that I'm all the way, you know, all the way up there and and couldn't even get into this, this space. I've experienced that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the things I, I really enjoyed doing, like the secret is out, you know, like <laughs> exactly. being outdoors, like being on the golf course, like, okay, people kind of figured it out. It's good. Outside's good for you. It's great for you. Everyone. Damn it. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I know the older you get, I'm just like, ah, oh, less people's cool. I'm so, I, that's what we bought land in Montana two years ago and you know there's it's just land but it's i just want to go there and camp on the land and get away from people because it's, it's just that's uh, awesome and that's part about for me getting on the road and just driving it's just me and my dog and you know obviously i meet people on the road and i think we're very similar extroverted introverts like i sure. can go out and talk to anybody but sometimes i need to get away from everybody and yeah and, yeah and, and i pick and i pick and choose my friendly moments yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's a true story though, man. But yeah, I don't know. Do you, uh, do you still, I I assume like you seem like you're very still embedded in, in sports world. Like what, like you still like, I'm still with everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still a fan. I mean, I, I have like my teams, you know, uh, big St. Louis Cardinal fan growing up there. It's like a religion. Um, and, my my you know, art the, my dealer uh, art dealer gallery dealer in St. Louis 
is a huge baseball fan. So we've gone. Dude, you can't live. You can't. My parents grew up in St. Louis. Like you can't come from there and like just a part of life. It's like college football. That's yeah. what it is. Their their relationship with with professional baseball is like SEC football in the South. And I used to, by the way, I used to play against Mike Matheny in high school. Oh no way! That's yeah. so great. So I loved I, Mike. I'm glad he's. Mike was my youngest brother's favorite player because really? my brother was a catcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he was yeah. he was amazing. Like he didn't hit well that I remember back in high school, but he had just like a cannon of an arm just like cannon of an arm just yeah. an, an amazing defensive catcher yeah um so yeah still you know i think also too like for me and, and it's funny like working in the arts and like professionally and then uh, you know like the commercial side of it it's like it's always funny when like <laughs> when people say sports ball in a condescending <laughs> way i'm like you have no idea how ridiculous he's like it fires me up (laughs) but it's funny because like i have a lot of friends that just you know that i meet from the creative world that just like aren't fans but then i do have some and like i mean dude we probably talk more about it's just and again it's it's another escape right like after the last election i was like man i am newsed out like i am just i fell into the like i'm addicted to being mad you know like everyone and I was just like, I'm not going to be that guy anymore. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, you know. So, yeah, my teams are like St. Louis Cardinals. And then since the Cardinals left St. Louis to come to Arizona in like 87 or 88, I was a Chiefs fan. So I'm a Chiefs. Uh, and then when I moved out here, I didn't have an NBA team other than watching Jordan growing up. So I was a Bulls fan. But then being out here for so long. I'm a Suns fan, so it's a good time. Suns yeah, are, no kidding. Suns are rolling. Chiefs are rolling. Cardinals are kind of middling. Never they're, really got into hockey. They're on top of the division right now, I think, the Cardinals. Yeah, they're up at the, them in Milwaukee. I, you know, like a lot of, like, diehard Cardinal fans, we, we all have this, like, weird thing with the front office. Like, we had one glaring hole to improve on and, and was shortstop. And the one thing that there was so many – elite position players at one position available and a shortstop and they just like stood pat and i'm like <laughs> and we're like 60 million under payroll than we were last year and i'm just like god damn it um <laughs> but yeah dude i'm still i'm still a fan man like i you know it's it's fun for me i mean right now dude you know growing up without like a local nba team and then getting my family, like my old man into NBA basketball. And he's like, God, the playoffs are how long? I was like, yeah, there's six weeks, but if your team's in it, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a, fun. It's like, a, yeah. It's a blast of a six weeks. And he, know, and now like he's such a diehard baseball fan, but now that I've got him into NBA and he'll like after a playoff game and then go to a, and watch a baseball game, he's like, Whoa. yeah, baseball has problems. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, they do. That's it's, it's, uh, it's like, it's unfortunate. They just, they don't get it. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they can do to fix it. I, but I do get tired of people trying to, you know, you know how to shorten games. Don't have commercials. Like, don't like, don't like forget about this ad, you know, like put the advertising on the uniforms. Like, like it, it there, there's your 30 minutes is like the, the between the inning stuff. It just goes on forever. And I, I, that's the stuff I can't stand. It's like, but to try to shorten a game, it's like, that's just part of it. Like, and I don't know. I, it, it, it's it, tough. It's tough, man. Cause I, I kind of go back and forth. Like, and I don't know either. I mean, 
I think also too, what's been, and we kind of see this in basketball too, with like the analytics of the three point shot. And it's like, man, if guys are just pulling up threes all day and it's kind of like the home run, there's no, there's yeah. not that like that energy and that flow that you miss. Like, dude, give me like eighties whitey baseball all oh. day of just like moving down the line, bunting, stealing bases, yep. ground balls, line drive. Like that's fun. Yep. It's action. Yep. But I get what the math say, says. And it's, the problem is you just don't have the ball and play enough. Nope. No, it's uh, everybody it's either strike out or hit home runs now. And I agree. Like I, I'm a Met fan, but those eighties, Willie McGee and Vince Coleman and Jack Clark, my God, those teams were fun to watch. I mean, they did, yeah. they were just fun to watch. And I, I, you know, like I, I agree. I, I understand the analytics, but you know what? Striking out, like you can hit a baseball. Somebody can make an error. I mean, you know, if you're striking out, like you're striking out and like, you're not even giving yourself a chance. I mean, I know it's rare to make an error, but still, I, you know, moving a runner up like that, it's just lost. It's weird. Yeah. I think, I think they should like really explore in the minors, like maybe like doing away with the shift. I think um, they are. I think I, I re- yeah, read, read they? Yep. They talked about it at least. I don't know if that's happening or not. Um, I heard that. Have you heard this, this, I might have this mixed up, but I thought I had heard someone say that they did, they'd done a study about like the, the pitch clock. Mm-hmm. And if a pitcher, I can't remember what exactly the math was, but if they have so much less time in between pitches through the game, the velocity drops like five or 10%. Really? And so it was this, and it was this thing about like, you know, possibly getting the, the bat on the ball more is, is because like the pitchers are having a good amount of time in between pitches and, and they're just so, they're just so strong. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was interesting. I had, uh, you remember Jack McDowell? Mm-hmm. Um, I had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago and oh, he, that's cool. he's, he's like, he hates baseball now. Not he didn't hate it. That's the wrong way to say. It, but he just—he said hard for him. fundamentals are just gone. You know, like all they care about is like throwing a hundred miles an hour, but they don't know how to pitch. And and he's mm-hmm. right. Um, but it's it's just like if if you can find a guy that can throw a hundred miles an hour and can also pitch, you know, it, it, my God, like lassoing that. You know, because it's like I always say this to you know baseball guys that I have in my class best pitcher of the our generation or my generation I'm older than you Greg Maddox through you know 90, Maddox, 91 miles an hour and best reliever of all time Mariano Rivera he threw 91 miles an hour he threw one pitch he just controlled the, the pitch either went to the right or to the left it was the same damn pitch mm-hmm. nobody could hit it or if you did hit it you broke your bat and it's like yeah eventually people are going to catch up to 100 mile an hour fastballs if you're just throwing a straight uh but it's it's just it's a different game um i think there's probably you know there's probably the pendulum always goes back and forth it'll probably come back at some point in time a little bit um i don't know it's just it's weird it's weird and hard to watch sometimes um but i still love it i mean i still i love all no, sports I, I i do too but i think it's like i'll watch like other football games my team's not playing basketball sure yeah like if my baseball team's not playing like i'm not watching probably not gonna sit through that like i'm just not you know and i think that's to me that like as a sports fan that says a lot about sort of the state of the game um yeah i don't know man like it's 
and and when you have the other sports that are attracting these freak athletes and the speed of those games are increasing and and I don't know, man. Baseball's I know, dude. Baseball's looking rough, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then they got football. It's like, what are they gonna do? Like the bigger and stronger and faster they get, like, is it gonna end up being touch football? I mean, you know, it's like there's all these weird basketball looks like the sport that's gonna go. I mean, even soccer is getting, you know, more and more uh popular in the States. Um, but I mean, soccer dude, I think big... has problems too. Like, you know, everything has has its issues, I think. I'm a... um, I'm a big football game, but man, there's, there's, there's at least five or six hits I'll see a year. And I'm like, it's not sustainable. I don't want to see that again. No. Like I know they're trying, but I'm like, unless they re-engineer like the, the physics of the helmet, like someone's, someone's not going to get up. No, I agree. I agree. And you know, I agree they're trying, but it's, 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 uh, I mean, again, like because these athletes are playing one sport, unlike us that played all three, you know, like, or whatever different sports and they're, they're hyper-focused on this one thing that obviously the training is so much better than when I was growing up, the nutrition oh is better. Like, so, you know, I mean, you have like some of these guys at the combine, like there was some defense and defensive end at the combine that ran like a four five. That's insane. He's like 290 pounds running at four, five, 40. It's like, that's, that's a freight. No, they're, 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 they're mutants, man. Like we're watching evolution happen. Like, yep. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. And like, that's what I mean. Like, and, and even with the pitchers, it's like, they are maximizing what's possible and engineering the human body to like, I mean, that's why like any clubhouse, like any pitching staff, like, what do you think? 80% of the guys have already had Tommy John by the oh, time yeah. they're 26. Yeah. There was some kid, there's some kid the other day for Tennessee that they clocked at 105. 105. I mean, well, that's... and then all the miles that they've got too from a young age, and then they get in, and it's like i you know who I feel bad for? I feel bad for these guys, the young guys that are controlled, like under um, you know, they're 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 team controlled, they might go to arbitration, but they're still, I mean, they're still making four or five hundred thousand a year but they're like back of the end guys that yep. throw heat, but then something happens to their arm and they never get their payday or they never become a starter. And it's like the miles that they have on these, on their arms, by the time they even get to 25 is crazy. Yep. It's interesting. Actually, the, um, I, I go again, like I have a lot of VCU, uh, baseball guys in my class, which for me is fun because, you know, we can talk about my experience and stuff. And, um, but the, they're actually, very rarely, I think they pitch more than three innings. Sometimes they pitch four, but they don't go. Um, and I think that's that's kind of – I'm wondering, is this the way that baseball is going? Because you start sort of seeing that in the, in the majors. I don't remember which team last year in the playoffs started a reliever. Like right out of the gate of the – it was a playoff game. And, you know, I can't remember – Yeah, was, was it the – was it the A's or the Rays where they like, they it might've been the Rays for, yep. for, it was like, they're like, well, like if we're asking for a big inning out of him at the end, why don't we try him in the beginning? Yep. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Yep. I mean, I, I'm, you, I, I'm not here whatever. to complain about it. <laughs> exactly. It's just, it's, it's like you said, it's like evolution of a game. I, I don't know. It's weird. 
It's, it, you know, I'm never going to not watch it because I just, I love sports. Like, I mean, I even love hockey, like, and, and I, it, hockey, hockey in person, if you get a chance, if you haven't gone, it's, it might be the best sport to yeah. watch in person. As a kid, I went to a couple of blues games and like, it's, it's pretty wild, but you know, like I just never got into it as a kid. Yeah. I never had, I mean. We never, we finally Columbus, Ohio got a team, I don't know, 15 years, well, whatever, 15, 20 years ago. I don't, so, no. I don't think I even had an ice skating rink anywhere in Springfield, Missouri growing up in the 80s. <laughs> That's weird, actually. Yeah, I think there is now, but like not, yeah. not, not, not then. Well, you know, this is some, a question I always ask, um, who are like people that inspire you? Um, and it can be from this, anywhere. The, yeah, for sure. Um. You know, I, because I like tend to do a lot of different things, like I'm, I'm always really interested in people who like sort of dabble in different avenues, but always work at this like high level. There's this one photographer, he, he works, he's a fine art photographer, but also for a while he was a really sought after advertising photographer, Israeli who lives in, <clears throat> I think he lives in London now, uh, Nadav Condor. And I remember like, maybe 10 or 15 years ago and just like on his website and just going through like each body of work was just like, that's, that's really incredible. Um, you know, I think like in music, a lot of people, you know, I'm really interested in, in sort of like this convergence, which has been happening for a while, but convergence of styles, but also culture, you know, guys like Pharrell Williams in the early 2000s bringing sort of skateboard and this like funk sound to hip hop or like even Kanye in the beginning of bringing like commercial like gangster rap and like backpackers together and, and you know, Fiona Apple's producer, like just like melding, you know, being a vessel of culture for people that, you know, are, are coming from different backgrounds that weren't afforded like an insight into art and architecture and fashion. Um, or like younger guys like Tyler, the creator, that's just like, he's yep. just wild. And, and, you know, like I'm, I'm really interested in, in seeing people that like just take all these ingredients and make their own sort of recipe. Do you, you know? do you play music? I don't play. Like no. I, I have this like sequencer and like these, these Roland decks and like an 808 that I just kind of fuck around and make beats every now and then. And just for fun. Um, send me, no, send thing. me, send me something so I can play it, put the music on, on the podcast if you have anything. Sure. Cause I usually sure. end up writing music and, or if somebody knows somebody that would donate a song, like that's cool, but that'd be cool if you send me something like that'd be rad. No, I yeah. see. Cause I, you know, like, again, like I, I think we have such a, a relationship of, of our ideas and stuff. Like I'm, I'm, uh, used to be a rock singer. I still sing, but it's funny oh, because nice. I, um, I have a student that, you know, has, has taken the art and athletics class twice and he does what I think to be like really pretty genius kind of music. Like he's, he writes music, he produces it. It's kind of like, it's kind of funny, but it's pretty epic shit. And I actually sent him some of my garage band files today you know, and I write music on GarageBand because I don't play any instruments sure, sure. per se. But I just said, like, I was like, dude, like, take what I did and and put your twist to it and see what you. Because I think it would be like really wild for my you know rock and roll stuff to come up through like a mildly hip hop, you know, kind of. I, I don't know, like I just and that's because sure. I, I, I like I when you were talking about musicians, I do love it when 
like certain styles smash up against one another and like what comes you don't even know what it is like where you can even like put a label on it you know and that's been happening for a while but like i don't know just it's like younger people like who grew up to the like as kids listening to stuff i enjoyed as a young adult and it's like okay i can see like your parents were my age and you know it's it's funny to see this sort of i mean do you think about do you think about that as a photographer about how you can like shift like what we're talking about musically into like a two-dimensional space is that ever like i mean i think i think for me it's more of just like how how am i like experiencing or feeling this this place or how do i like create this like you said a two-dimensional facsimile of an experience or an emotional response and and me being the sort of transmitter you know like if i'm you know to use that stargazers project as a reference like you know i'm out there in a very remote part of the country and and you know how how can i like take my awe and wonder of this place and and sense of humor and and put this sort of adoration of these people and 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 again like create this two-dimensional facsimile that's just flat and but like but still my thing um you know i'm also like really inspired too. this friend of mine he does um he started off as like a cg designer and like special effects now he's created his own lane and and uh is this digital artist named shane griffin um and he just he's been doing some really wild stuff he goes by griff um and that's kind of an interesting space to pay attention to. And, and, you know, for so long, it was kind of this thing that, it, I don't know, with NFTs in the beginning of that, these guys really sort of tapped into something that snowballed quickly and it was a perfect venue, you know, for that medium that is really fantastic, but maybe wasn't as appreciated or, respected in a way you know what i mean like the digital art space i mean there's a lot of crap don't get me wrong but the people that are like doing some really interesting work is like it's really wild and it's and it's like surreal and can feel sort of sci-fi you know it just it feels like a dream which is interesting because they can like take stuff and and that can feel so real but it's like you know what i mean the the level of craft has just like is just through the charts now now it I I agree like it's it's actually kind of hard to um to keep up with what what is happening you know like I yeah. I find myself like mildly overwhelmed sometimes by by just I I don't want to say technology because that sounds like a cop well, or something I would but say it would just change like yeah. I I think I think like every generation has this sort of battle with change and time, but I do think that we're like, we've entered in a space that like change has been accelerated and like, and, and it's about to get really wild. You know, like (laughs) I, my youngest brother, we, we got him, you know, the latest Oculus version for his birthday. And I remember like (laughs) putting it on and I was like, fuck me, dude, this is, this must be like what doing heroin for the first time feels like, like there's no, you know what I mean? Like, there's just no, there's like no turning back. Like this yep. is going to change the world. And I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. Cause like I, I can like just the little bit I experienced is like, this is, this is too incredible. Yep. And then like, you know, not to get negative, but then I worry about like, you know, how many people, and we're already in this like 
transition from being more concerned with like your physical world transitioning into your digital world. And then it makes me think about like, okay, cool. You can have these amazing experiences, but will you like mentally and emotionally feel that same, like, do you get that same charge you get from like, like what you're talking about going to Glacier National Park or. Yep. Well, you know, you you just put those on and you go to, go to the national park without going to the national park. I mean, that's like, I think. It's it's incredible, but also do you get the same like physio, like, do you get the same benefits? you know, physically, mentally, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, and and as a photographer too, like my, (laughs) my existence has been based on the physical world, even though if I make it feel very fantastic or surreal. So I do have some concern, you know, how viable is my medium in 20 years? I don't, I don't know. No, I, I, Dude, I totally agree. Like, I, I think it's, I mean, we, you know, you mentioned it earlier with, with like NIL and stuff that we're in like kind of that wild west space, (laughs) you know, I mean, you know, like I, we are, we're in that, like, but I think in general we are as well, because I like technology is, 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 uh, you know, it always moves quickly, but it feels like it's, it accelerates upon its acceleration and you know, yeah, like the metaverse, the, the metaverse is like, it is, you know, like I, I guess it's cool and it's and whatever, but it's like, but it just, it, uh, I just wonder, you know, cause I, I, I think that, and again, like this sounds like the old man on the porch, but, uh, like, I think we don't communicate like we used to, you know, because social media is like changed the way that we communicate, which again, I'm not saying it's good or bad or, or whatever, but. I'm just wondering what happens when that fully goes to that next phase where it's like, we're just wearing these glasses walking around, not, not talking to anybody. Well, you know, it's, yeah, but maybe like, but maybe like there's a positive that like, oh, maybe yeah. it can read your body language and, yep. and, and that can communicate close to how it does in person. And cause we know like that communication without like voice inflection and body language, like things can, come off however you want it to come off you know they can it can be very flat and feel very it's not the full message because you you don't have those physical cues packaged within it so maybe that comes with it i i don't know i i kind of feel like you where it's like i don't dwell on it but it but i'd be remiss not to at least be aware that like there's a lot of change happening and you know I don't know what that means for like, for me and my work, (laughs) but like, I don't know, dude, it's, it's crazy. Like part of me is like, should I learn some CG work? Like combine (laughs) that with my photography work. I mean, I've, I've had these thoughts. Like, I just, I I don't know. Like, um, and also you cannot, you cannot replace, I don't think, I mean, I shouldn't say this like as a, you know, but I don't think you can replace your eye. And I think that's what's so strong about your work and what I really like about it is, is you, you put me like in a place, um, you know, like I was looking at the, I'm going to go try to find it really quick. The work that is, what is it called? Uh, um, the, the, the changing land. Yeah. The changing landscape of America, of American retail. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. and, and, 
which is ironic that we're talking about because thing about things disappearing. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think that they're like, you can't replace that way that you see those things and the way that you edit and, and take those, those images that I think it's, it's really guttural for lack of a better way to say it. And no, I don't I know that, that, you know, well, you know, I think, I think my concern really comes from maybe more of like a commercial valuation. Like what am I doing to make a living that, you know, has like financial value? Like, I mean, I think like those works for myself, like they're great and those will live on. And, but I mean more like, the need for photography for visual communication in a commercial space, yep. you know, I think news driven or personality driven portraits, all that will exist. I, I, I think, um, <laughs> but you know, but like my medium has been so democratized, you know, that like, and, and probably for good, but also like, it's very noisy, you know, I mean, when I, when I got out of school and, it was wild. Like you didn't really have to, like, you didn't have that influence or like the volume of like visual inspiration you do now. I mean, I think like photographers might've just been starting to have websites, maybe, I don't know, you know, and this is like pre-social media, obviously, but there used to be, the, <laughs> there used to be this thing called workbook or black book. And there were like source books for every working commercial, like assignment photographer. And the entire country was like a book, like that big yeah. that you could just go to your region and find your guy and woman, like, boom, this is what you do. Cool. I mean, if you were to do that now, like that book's like, I don't even think I can fit my hands on the screen. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I, I do think like more people involved in a medium pushes it further. And I, I totally subscribe to that theory. But I also wonder like when too much visual information is too much, you know, you start to see these very homogenous trends and, and, and I'm not saying like creativity or your artwork should ever like come or live or, or be created in a vacuum, but I, just, people are just looking and seeing so much, yep. you know, it's, it, it's really intense. Um, I agree. It's, I think it's actually hard to be creative in this time because of that, because we're in, so. inundated constantly by by visual information i mean it's i think know. it's i think it's really hard i think it can accelerate your like your knowledge of like a marketplace or what's happening in the world because you have so much information at hand and and and, and you can push yourself to play in that space like if you're a kid in college you're coming out and like you know you having digital as your you know like no camera is a bad camera anymore you know, like, it's not like you're shooting 35 millimeter black and white. It's super grainy and you're making prints in the dark room. Like the quality is, is perfect for better or for worse. Um, yeah, I, I do, I do worry that like, you know, is, is uniqueness being celebrated and utilized as much as it used to be? Or is this just sort of these pendulums of like homogeny, like just keep like, spinning around you know i don't know it's just things that i think about because there's just so much information I, i'm pretty much in the same <laughs> boat as you like i i'm constantly yeah, yeah. thinking about that shit so um maybe maybe like wrap up kind of question but like what do you like projects coming up exhibitions 
anything i mean you just said you're wrapping up with or you wrapped up with the the christmas thing that's mm-hmm. going to become a book like have you started working on a a new like project or anything like that well so there's i i would say that there's there's three projects i'm shopping right now um and all sort of like varying stages of completion the christmas thing to me is like 100 percent done and then there's another project sort of based on sort of my take on like the american experience and this like idea of vanishing folklore and, and us uh as as america being splintered but also trying to wrestle with this idea that it's america isn't this shareable thing it's like it's theirs and and you know what i'm saying this, yeah. this very sort of struggle struggle in the cultural wars um so there's that project um and then the the retail project that you were talking about i think that's at a place at least now to get in front of publisher's eyes um so right now i'm in the process of like trying to get sort of a a temperature check in the publishing space for those three um another project uh started through assignment work the beginning of last year but sort of a, a really deep dive into into gun culture and um and sort of the roles uh, the firearms have played in the mythology of the American West, good and bad, and and sort of trying to, you know, I think gun ownership's been really fascinating, um, especially since COVID. Is that it's there's been a proliferation and, and people, I guess, identifying not just the enthusiast or, or dispel I think certain people's notions of gun ownership and and the um, banality of it now, I think is really interesting. Um, and if you think of all of our like major pop culture exports, it's it's synonymous with with a figure with a gun from the cowboy to the pioneer to the rancher to the the mobster, the gangster. You know, it's really it's it's interesting. It's 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 as American as as things come. Absolutely. And it's a it's a uniquely American thing, good or bad. Yep. Um, so that I'm I'm trying to figure out next steps. We we had I spent a few months on it last year and then um, with BuzzFeed News and the kind of the funding ran out and, and they had to sort of publish a, a version of it. Um, so now I'm, I'm trying to shop that around to see where we can get some financing and finish that project. And then uh, a couple film projects and, and my buddy Griff, I was mentioning, we've been talking about doing sort of a photo film mixed with CGI experiment so i'm going to drive up to uh some of the back roads like through hanksville utah and and like bentonite hills and goblin valley and and, you know kind of create these these landscapes and plates film and you know film and photo to then sort of create some very sort of surreal visual experiences um so that's 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 kind of it for the immediate that's killer i love that yeah so you know, it's probably a, a departure of what I'm doing, but I definitely want to like move more, I think, into like, like I said, less of the documentary work, unless it's sport driven, because that I think still is applicable for how you photograph athletes in a commercial space, you know, like, and that's what I, I love about photographing sport. And, and I'm, I'm not like a lifestyle guy that's like really keen into a bunch of smiley people having a great time on swing sets and <laughs> lakes and things that's what sells so fuck me i guess but um <laughs> but what but what i am really interested in though is like in sports marketing and advertising is that 
it's okay to show that's the, the breadth of, of raw human emotion, you know, that, that pain, that joy, that focus, and it all makes sense. And it's still, you know, for a buzzword, like, you know, good or bad, but like authentic, right? Like yep. it's very human and relatable. And that's why I'm still so drawn to like, still be doing that work commercially. You know, it doesn't ever feel out of place. It doesn't ever feel like it needs to be more polished or more perfect. Well, and again, I think that's like, again, I'm just going back to that, that image of that catcher. Like I'm looking at it right now and it's just, it is, it's so, it's just guttural. I don't know a better way to say it. Like it, it really truly hits you particularly the, the, you know, there's what three, three pictures of him, but it's it's that one where he's standing by home plate and you just Mm -hmm. like, you, like you really like, I feel like I'm just like absorbed by him. And, and, and well, I think knowing his story too. So like he, that was his second day at camp yep. because he had been traded. He made it to the bigs for one or two innings. And then two days later, he was, he was cut from the angels. So what was like, I think a, the greatest a moment, of, moment of his life. Like, yeah, he was, D- yeah, he was DFA'd and cut. So like, it's like field of ended- dreams. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, like literally that's that story. Yeah. And, and so, you know, he was, I think that was, that day was the first day he actually got his, his practice jersey. And that was after the morning workout. So half the, half the essay is, is him and a generic t-shirt. He didn't even have a practice jersey yet. Um, but I think something about like him and like, there's this stoicness to that image, but there's something I think ultimately very sort of disarming. And like you said, vulnerable, but also very alone, yep. you know, like, I think, I think he's on his sixth or seventh season in the minors. And I think after a while, you, there's probably some, I, I would think, and I don't want to project this onto him, but to me, it sounds very lonely, you know, chasing this thing. And after a while, seeing other guys get called up and still chase and, and still sort of being fueled by like the fire met with delusion, you know, like, I think it can get pretty lonely. Oh Yeah. I no, I totally agree. Like I think that, because in some ways they're all chasing the same dream, but they're chasing it by themselves. And even though you're on a team, like you're still, you're doing that sure. individual thing within that umbrella. And 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 I I agree. I it's I and I think that's what I'm that's what I'm saying <clears throat> is that one image really, really, really captures that. And, you know, maybe I'm speaking as a former baseball player, but it really captures that, you know, loneliness is maybe a better word than vulnerability. Maybe it's both, but there's just something sure. about that, that image of him standing there. And it just, it hits to me. Like it really does. And I think what's interesting too, is like examining the, the catcher position, even though you're like, it's, it's the most active position in nine innings, unless you're throwing a complete game. Yep. But I still feel, even though maybe you think like a center fielder is the guy sort of like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I'm going to say center fielder because that's what I played, but that's <laughs> no, but it, but you know what I mean? But I feel like there's something that like, I think physically and spatially there's a loneliness to that position and, and, and it's like your pasture that you roam. But like, I think something about catching is really unique. And, and, you know, 
you're you're the quarterback and and even though you're the most involved i i I think there's something really singular and and i think it's unique you you have to be into the game in a different way than anybody else i agree with that Mm -hmm. absolutely well dude thank you man like this is exactly what i thought it was gonna be it was an absolute blast and um you know like i you know i think again like from the night we met, I was like, Oh, well shit, this is, this is going to be one of my boys forever. And, um, like yeah, I said, I'm, I'm going to be out, um, a couple of weeks and I'll just, I'll let you know. Sure. Um, I think your podcast will be out before then, but yeah, send me, send me beats, man, because, or, or whatever, if you want to, like, if not, I'll just sure. I'll throw something together. But, um, and do you, do you want me to send some, like, do you ever like splice in images? Like, so people can like, see what we're talking about. You don't need any of that. No, we don't, we don't, we haven't done a, we're going to eventually put this stuff on YouTube, like have our own page, but right now it's just audio. Um, I do, I'll, I'll, put your, your website up and Instagram and, sure. yeah, whatever and Twitter. You want. Um, and like, if you want to send me images, uh, like I'll, I'll promo that. So absolutely. Um, but sure. it, like right now it's, <clears throat> you know, we're just like the first four episodes of this were actually live. Actually the, f- the fourth, the fourth episode I ever recorded was actually in Phoenix with Tony Mandrich <laughs> and, oh, and it was cool. in a hotel room. And it was before COVID and we, it was actually probably like two months before COVID. And, uh, and so we don't even have video of that. So everything else after the, I think the fifth or sixth episode is, is all on zoom. And right now we just haven't done it, you know, put it up on, on YouTube. We just need to do that. Um, so many other things. So, um, but no, dude, this is just a blast. And like I said, man, I, your images like really like they, Maybe it's because, you know, like I'm interested in a lot of the same, like, I think things that you see, um, just, they, they, they really hit for me. Um, so I think oh, it's, well, it's, I really it's appreciate really cool. that, man. So. I, I, I love to hear that and, you know, not to be cheesy, but like, you know, it can it, in itself, it can be sort of a, a lonely journey and, and yep. just to hear sort of people that vibe with what you're trying to do. And it's, it's, it, it, it does, it's heartwarming. So, yep. you know, not to be cheeseball, but <laughs> I, I greatly appreciate it. That's a great way to end the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. So. Not to be a cheeseball, you're out. <laughs> well, cool, brother. Well, thank you, man. And like I said, I'll hit you up. It's, I'm, like I said, I'm leaving like the 14th or 15th. Um, and I know. Chris and I have to do something in Las Vegas, I think the 25th or something like that. And I'm, I'll probably come down right after that. So it'll be like late after the late, 25th. Yes. May, May 25th, 26th. Um, so I'll probably, it'll probably be like late May that I'll be down there. So I'll let you know. Text me like a, when you have a better idea, text me. So yeah, yeah, no, I'll get, I'll, I'll give around. you a heads up for sure. How long are you sticking around? Oh, it'll be just like a day or two. It, it'll it'll okay, be a quick cool. tr- I just got to pick up that artwork and probably head back to well, Richmond. Let's, let's plan on it because I think um, probably that Friday or Saturday we'll probably head out for the long Memorial Day weekend. But I'll probably, I mean, it sounds like you'll be in right before that. So, yep. Cool. Cool, man. Well, Bye, man. I really appreciate it, man. Yep. Look forward to chatting yeah. some more. Bl- yeah, totally. This is, this is going to be a ever long conversation for sure <laughs> yeah man all cool. right dude well all see right, you in a few weeks yeah man later see you john later buddy
so glad I got to do this with Jesse. It's something we've been talking about for a while. Such a great dude, such a fantastic photographer. Really love how he sees things and how those things he sees become photographs. Definitely be on the lookout for his upcoming book. Again, go follow Jesse on Instagram and Twitter at Jesse Riser. That's J-E-S-S-E-R-I-E-S-E-R. And make sure to stop by his website, jessiriser.com. Remember to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Thank you for listening to the abstract athlete podcast stop by our website theabstractathlete.com and follow us on all of our social media outlets for future events and news thanks again we will see you next week and as always do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind stay well out there